episode 367, Dr. Michael McNamara. This checkup could save your life. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, host of Awaken Your Alpha, the number one men's development podcast for inspirational stories and strategies to thrive as a man. As a coach, keynote speaker, and best-selling author, it has been my mission going on four years on the podcast to bring you the best, the very best, the struggles, the action, and to share the real journey with you. Please subscribe to support the show through ayalpha.com forward slash book. This episode is sponsored by Ted Accelerator. If you do want to do a TEDx talk, and that is something on your list for 2019 or even 2020, tedaccelerator.com, that's T-E-D-X-C-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-O-R.com. I know it's a mouthful, it'd be on the show notes. Amplify your message, enhance your impact, and ultimately income as well. Please do go and check it out. Get to the podcast. Right, this episode could save your life. I don't always say that. We have preventative medical health expert and author, Dr. Michael T. McNamara, and we're going to talk about how to get a checkup that saves lives and many other things. He has, um, he's a US trained physician, entrepreneur, has transformed healthcare systems across Europe and Asia with novel approaches to ultra early disease detection and prevention. Okay, he's worked with the Dream Team, US Olympic basketball team. He's, you know, he's doing a lot of cool things. Uh, I'm just excited to get into this episode. So, Michael, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? Adam, indeed I am. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm very pleased to be your guest today. Now, that was quite a brief intro to you because you've done a lot of cool things. Is there anything you'd like to add or highlight? What are you all about at the moment? Yes. So people always ask me, what, what is it I do? I'm, I'm a medical doctor, uh, MD, U.S. trained, uh, went to undergraduate medical school at the University of Michigan. Then I became, well, then I did an internship in general surgery, actually, in San Diego. Uh, but my real intention was to become a radiologist, but not the standard cookie cutter radiologist, although it's a very noble profession. I became a radiologist to become a, a pioneer in MRI scanning at the University of California, San Francisco, one of the very earliest uh, institutions to, to research and develop uh, MRI scanning technology. And my real intention was to become an, an imager, a radiologist, because I was always interested, Adam, in disease prevention. And I thought the best way to do that was to be able to find and document the disease early. Too many times we do health checkups, and that includes even the leading institutions of the world in any city or country. We do a standard health checkup, the routine physical, for example, the annual physical, and you get, you know, your blood checked out and your prostate and liver and kidney eyes, whatever. But in a majority of cases, that standard physical cannot save your life because it doesn't look for or document or detect the disease or disease conditions that kill us, mainly hmm. cardiovascular disease, i.e. heart attack and stroke and cancer. So if you ask your doctor at the end of a physical exam, Doctor, am, are you sure that I won't have a heart attack today or next week drink sipping on a Starbucks? They cannot give you that, respond to that question. Yeah. Mainly because, well, there's a lot of, I can't say that as well, yeah. but I can give a much better indication because the checkup that I came up with and devised and honed over the ensuing 30 years after I was a resident 
and fellow in radiology at UCSF was predicated on imaging the inside of the body, doing a checkup with scanning machines yeah. to really know what's going on so that I could advise my patients as to whether there was true risk for heart attack or stroke or an early growth deep in the, in the body, in the prostate, for example, or the breast or the liver, wherever, that needed special attention because it could become cancer. So, wow. <laughs> so yeah. It's a lot of information. So what was really the awakening moment for you when you fine-tuned it to this? And why do you think more people aren't coming at it from this sort of angle? Yes, Adam, you know, that, that's really a great question. And to answer that, I'll give a, take a little bit of a, a retro, retrospective in my <laughs> life. <laughs> Two questions there, I suppose. That like, where was the kind of like the awakening moment for you? For like this, ah, this is how I'm going to do things better. Yes. And, and it's funny when you said awaken, it happened at a specific moment in my life. Uh, you know, I'm, I was made in Japan, actually. <laughs> For everyone who's listening, where are you speaking to us from today as well? Uh, today, I'm actually sitting uh, in one of my residences where I'm also doing a lot of clinical medical work in Shanghai, China. Mm -hmm. Lovely Shanghai, an amazing city. But mainly it's because I've just written this book, Why, with the working title, it won't be published till next year, is Why a Routine Physical Won't Save Your Life and How Mine Will. So the reason I'm here is because the epilogue to that book uh, was the follow-up to an amazing book. I hope everyone has had a chance to at least read part of this. It's called The China Study. For those okay. of you who aren't aware, this was published years ago or several years ago by an amazing Dr. Campbell uh, who actually went to China and he and his son and, and uh, worked directly with the Department of Health of China at the time. He, three decades ago to study in many different provinces, thousands of people measuring multiple parameters such as body weight, diet, exercise, activity, geography, place of living, everything that you could imagine. And they determined at that time that the China study did that the Chinese lifestyle was much healthier than most other countries, including those in America, because at that time, the, most of the Chinese people were living in a rural setting yeah. They were active. They were working in the fields. They were riding bicycles. There was no fast food, let's say, per se. And people were healthier. And the body mass index average was lower. Cancer rates were much lower. Cardiovascular disease was much lower. But in the ensuing three decades, and we all are pretty much aware of what's going on in China today, the economic boom is really, they've become very rich, very wise, very, everything has gotten better here in China. And the reason I came here was that because this population has gone from a rural setting to a massive urbanization mm. because these cities like Shanghai is 26 million people. Can you imagine where I am wow. today? Beijing, 20 million. Second and third tier cities are all bigger than my country, my adopted country for which I'm a passport holder of, which is Monaco, another I was going to say, yeah, we've got to get later. back to the story. <laughs> we're going to get to that later. Well, uh, that ties into Dream Team and a lot of other things. But uh, so this this massive urbanization, which brought about the the great development that has taken place and still taking place in China, has shifted the health 
dynamic. They are now working in offices. They don't work the fields. They don't exercise. They eat a much different diet. There's a lot of westernized uh, fast food chains and, and different Western foods that they weren't eating before. And as a result, diabetes, which used to affect less than 2% of the population three and de four decades ago, now affects over 12%, 600% massive increase in type 2 diabetes due to the, the weight gain. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the obesity rate is skyrocketing here, much less than those that we find in, in the United States, of course, where 70, 71% of the people uh, are overweight or obese in in in, uh, in America? Wow! Like, I didn't realize it was that high. <laughs> it is. It's over seventy wow. percent, Adam, in United States are overweight, meaning body mass index twenty five or more, yeah. or obese body mass. Well, I suppose index. that's the thing as well. You get you get used to seeing, you know, you, a lot of people, and it almost becomes you know like just like overweight is almost seen as normal for you know a lot a lot of people. I know around here, I I. Uh, you know, I get, I get used to it. You get, and the same thing when I was in California, I get used to seeing a lot of people seem to be a little bit healthier, but then I know it's, it varies from area to area. Um, but yeah, you do get used to the norms. <laughs> oh yes, definitely. And, it, and since I've been living for three decades abroad, since I finished my specialization in California, the, um, the situation is greatly changing here. And, and I, like in Europe, for example, in Monaco, south of France, it's a, very healthy. Monaco is actually the longest living country uh, in, in, in longevity in the world, even exceeding that of Japan. But it's a much smaller country, so it doesn't yeah, really... And I, and I, <laughs> I think yeah. I put a bit of money into that place as well. <laughs> Just a little. Well, uh, that, that, that uh, demographic actually in Monaco considers only the, the, the citizens, not the, not the residents. Oh, okay. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, the ones that are born and raised there, you know, growing up in the, in the heart of the, of the village uh, setting of Monaco, which is really great. Because Monaco is where? It's on the Riviera. It's in the heart of the Mediterranean diet. Hmm. And, and people ask me, Michael, doctor, what do you do? And I, I follow the Mediterranean diet, but it, it's just the lifestyle there. It's nothing special. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, so, yeah they're like, well, so, we're in the Mediterranean. So this is yeah. like Oh. Fresh, oily, oily fish with lots of omega three, plenty of vegetables, cooked tomatoes, uh, releasing uh, uh, antioxidant lycopene, nuts, berries, very little to no red meat. Uh, they do eat red meat, but it's not really a, a, a cornerstone of the Mediterranean diet. But it really works, and for yeah. that reason, Monaco people are have an amazing longevity compared to the rest of the world. So. Yeah. So that's why I came to China. I wanted to find out what has changed in these three decades plus that where China has, has massively transformed itself. And the, 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 I can see this, like, like you said, in the, in the streets of, of America, I see the same thing in the streets of China. I see young people, children, overweight, lots of them. Now, I can't compare it to before. I never lived here. I've been here for just a few years. So... Uh, but I can compare what I've read in the China study to the rates of current rates of being overweight and obese today. And it, it's it's 100% confirmed uh, to be on the rise. So there's a lot to be said for lifestyle, for for diet, and, and the effects that these have. Well, we, we stop exercising, we stop riding bikes, and we 
work in offices, 70, 80 hour work weeks, well, something has got to give. Is there any figures that helped awaken your alpha? I think you mentioned uh, one or two you know, people, doctors ahead of you who've done sort of studies and obviously that who doing that study in China as well, but is there anyone specific that sort of helped steer you in the right direction or just as springs to mind that could have inspired you from afar? Uh, that's a great question. In fact, I've, in all the interviews and I've never, I've never done. Nobody's ever asked me that, Adam. Thank you. Uh, no worries. Uh, my, my original alpha was, was my grandfather. My grandfather was an educator, founded a university in the state of Michigan. Uh, he, he, was he was all about education, and he always inspired me to study and to make sure that as I was growing up, uh, that school was and education were the most important things. But I didn't know what I wanted to study. My mother... Japanese, as I mentioned earlier, she always wanted me to do what? What else Asian and Japanese mothers want? You've got to grow up to be a doctor. And <laughs> I didn't want to do that. I wanted to grow up and play baseball like my father. And, uh, but, but then when I turned 17, 18, 18 actually, my first year of university, still not knowing what I wanted to do, my grandfather suffered a massive heart attack. And, you know, he was not old. He was less than 70. He was a big, healthy-looking, strong apparently healthy guy, but he wasn't. Uh, and he suffered a massive heart attack complicated by a stroke. And I literally watched him die in front of my eyes. And that really shocked me. Yeah. And I asked everybody, like, why did grandpa suffer this heart attack and then a stroke? Nobody could tell me. We didn't have doctors or health personnel in my family. So, and we didn't have internet then, of course. So yeah. I said, listen, I'm going to study medicine. I don't want that to happen to to me, to my siblings. I have seven brothers and sisters, uh, or to my parents. So that's when I, I decided. How does you go from there to in Monaco work and then working with, you know, the most elite basketball players on the planet and some of the elite, elite sports people you've worked with. Talk to us about the dream team and that experience. And, um, if anything, how do you, I mean, some of the, some of the situations that you have with sort of high level athletes, as opposed to, normal people. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what happened was as soon as I finished my, my fellowships and specialization in radiology, I, I had fellowships in heart radiology, cardiovascular imaging. I really went full nine yards. I was recruited as a result because I had already begun to publish extensively in the, in the medical literature. I was recruited by the Prince of Monaco, the government of Prince Renier uh, himself. Uh, to come to Monaco to yeah. create Europe's very first MRI department. Why, I mean, you may be underplaying it. Why, what, was, what was your special source? Why did they reach out to recruit you specifically? Like, obviously, that's, that's, that's great. You must have been doing, maybe you've underplayed it. You must have been doing something <laughs> pretty good. Well, I, I made some great, amazing discoveries with MRI, even as a resident and a fellow. I wasn't even a professor yet at that yeah. time, or even an assistant professor. But uh, I made an amazing uh, discovery and I published my first major publication about how MRI can detect and quantitate, measure the extent uh, of, danger, uh, of damage mm -hmm. in human heart attack. So I published the very first pictures in the journal called Circulation, the leading heart yeah. journal for, uh, in the world, uh, about how MRI can uh -huh. detect heart attack in, human, in, in humans 
and so even that caught, that caught their attention. That caught their attention. That, that caught their attention. Yeah, I got. I, I went. I was invited to lecture at the World Congress of Cardiology in Dusseldorf, Germany. I had never been to Europe. It just changed my life, and that caught their attention in Europe. And the, actually, the Prince put together a headhunting team of professors and let them do the due diligence. And they came knocking at my door one day. This was the very first MRI scanning department in all of Europe that I created. Uh, at the at the Princess Grace Hospital, named after Grace, Princess Grace uh, Grace Kelly, ex Grace Kelly, and uh, so I became the chief of the department with uh, opening with a brand wow. new General Electric MRI 1.5 Tesla imaging system in, in Monaco, and uh, there I uh, there I was uh, yeah I be, I became quite influential because this was the first game in town and first yeah first and Monaco Monaco's small isn't it <laughs> Monaco yeah yeah exactly very small and, and, and when I say the dream team as well I know there's been several dream teams since but I when I when I think of the dream team as it is here you know you were working with the original iconic dream team and they call every team since like the next dream team or dream team but. There's really only one dream team in my mind, and it was the 1992, you know, basketball team that you worked with. So, did you get? I I don't want to assume. Did you get to um, work directly with someone like Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, some of them guys there? You know what happened, Adam? Was one of the things that I really pushed MRI for because I, I I I'm a most imagers either focus on the brain or the musculoskeletal or mm -hmm. the joints or the liver. I, because I was scanning the whole body, I really had no focus and I became a jack of all trades. And the thing I love, because as I mentioned, my father was an ex-baseball player. I love sports. I grew up doing sports. I used it for sports medicine, um, among other things. And I quickly became a consultant doctor for the Monaco football club, the Monaco soccer club, mm -hmm. uh, one of the leading clubs in the world, played several times in the Champions League. Uh, and I... I developed uh, this technology for imaging sports injuries, muscles, tendons, uh, joints, cartilage, uh, you name it. And for that reason, the United States Olympic Committee directly reached out to me, knew about my work, my publications, and asked me to be the official local doctor of the dream team. <laughs> uh, because <laughs> That must have uh, been a the good day when they reached out. <laughs> it was a great day. It was a red letter day or what other colors that people love to use. <laughs> the U.S. Olympic team chose Monaco as their base uh, training center mm -hmm. to acclimate to European time before going to Barcelona where they won the gold medal. And so I got to know of course, like you mentioned, Michael Jordan, a friend who I'm still in touch with today. He still comes to Monaco uh, with his lovely uh, wife, uh, Iveta, uh, nearly every summer to Monaco. And I stayed really closely in touch with him. Uh, Charles Barkley got to know him really great. He was one of the most engaging of all the players there. So I <laughs> shared a couple of Heinekens with Charles many a, a time while he was there. And he's just a lovely man. I still watch him every day on ESPN because I yeah, love basketball. He's good, yeah. Uh, haven't talked to him in many years, but I, became, I got to know Magic Johnson, of course, and Chris Mullen, Larry Bird, uh, David Robinson, you name it. But mostly, one of the reasons they chose Monaco, other than the beautiful setting, it's safe and it's clean, they have a great, we have a great golf course. I'm a member of the Monte Carlo <laughs> Golf Club. Yeah. And on day one, I, you can watch Michael Jordan's uh, story of his life is called um, I would airtime. 
Yep, I've Air seen time. it a couple of times. I know, yeah, I know. I can probably virtually picture because I know about them playing golf and yeah, and just having some relaxing time in the summer around there. Because there wasn't, there wasn't almost much pressure around them. Um, they always took it as a break. I that's where how it come across compared to obviously the at that stage. Obviously, Europe and the rest of the world has come right up in basketball terms. But back then, um, it was yes. yeah, they were hammering teams <laughs> even at the Olympics. Oh, they were. Yeah. Well, you'll see. I'm in that. I'm in that video. Uh, and I mean, he's walking to hole number one. You'll hear his feet walking with metal cleats at the time and yeah. saying, hey, wait up, Doc. And yeah. there you'll see me on, on, on hole number one, uh, standing with Michael and I think Charles as well. Uh, yeah, so I got to play golf with these guys. Everybody played every day, and that was a really great experience cool. in my life. So, well, uh, And I also take care of a lot of other athletes like Novak Djokovic, like Rafael Nadal. Most of them live in Monaco for yeah. various reasons but it's a great place for these athletes to live so do you still I, go back to monaco then quite a bit oh i do i do i, I still have my 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 home there i go back regularly and yeah i'm i mentioned that i was naturalized by the prince in honor of my my service to the principality i was naturally naturalized as a citizen uh and i do go back regularly there so awesome. and my, my my children live there as well my son alan my daughter kelly uh, still living there as well, so um, they were they were born and raised there. So um, yeah, it's, awesome. Uh, well, we just the time is flying, so I just want to kind of start wrapping this up with the alpha round, and I want to start that off with you mentioned the uh, the China study as an influential book. Is there any other book recommendations that maybe for someone who's maybe not taking it to like really studying into whole countries and stuff, but maybe on a personal level that you think is has got some useful stuff? And obviously, your book is is coming out next year. So we have that one as well. But in terms of their own health, maybe gets rid of some of the myths or common things that mistakes that people are making. Yeah, there are a number of books out there. Uh, first of all, excerpts of my book and blog and, ch and chapter entries will be coming on my, my website. So if anyone's interested, uh, it's drmachhealth.com. They'll get a lot of great information about what's in my book and what people can do right now. Perfect. Um, so we put, we put the contact details on the show notes as well for the best way to people to oh, yes. get and reach yeah, out. Very good. Perfect. And people can reach out to me there and they have any questions. I'm really happy to, to answer them and to share uh, what I've learned over the past 30 years and, and shared with my, my patients uh, as far as prevention. And, and again, I repeat what I'm interested in is, is helping people find out how healthy or unhealthy they really are because you can do something about it today. You don't have to get surgery. You don't have to take really powerful drugs to reverse disease. You can do this in different ways, uh, but measurable ways. So the checkup that I do measures how healthy we are or are not, but they're just as measurable is the progress we can make as well uh, by, by adopting the proper lifestyle and diet and exercise and you know, people say, yeah, within diet. That, within that, I know obviously there's, there's lots of like proper diet and exercise stuff. Is there one, one key piece of sort of thing that people can do, like listening to this now that they, you think is a, a useful thing that people can do, you know, by, for themselves or what, what would you suggest would be, be the sort of the stage one of if someone wants to, you know, improve their lifestyle. I know we've got the sort of the general knowledge about improving diet and exercise, but is there one sort of almost not not secret but just something simple that people miss within that improving their diet and exercise yes yeah absolutely adam there are three if i know time's short i can give just three pieces of advice that i follow every single day of my life and uh it works so number one 
you have, no matter how thin you are, no matter how healthy you might look, somebody that doesn't exercise on a very regular, and I mean strenuous exercise, at least two and a half hours a week of get, get your heart rate up to 130, 140 type of exercise and sweat, mm-hmm. especially HIIT type of work. If you don't do that type of strenuous exercise on a regular basis, that's the risk factor. That's the same as smoking in terms of, of what it can do to, to ruin your health. So people that are, eat no meat, for example, don't eat carbs, don't drink Coke, don't smoke, but don't exercise. Well, the people that don't exercise, that's another risk factor. So you can do all the right things, but if you don't get that cardio, it, that's a risk. That's a, that's a big risk to your health. That's number one. Number two, cut out the carbs. Cut out all the, the whites possible. Sugar, of course, refined sugar, but anything that's refined in terms of carbs, pastries, donuts, white bread of any kind, even even whole wheat bread, I would cut out. Uh, pasta, uh, anyone that's that's minimally to severely overweight should cut those things out. If you're healthy and your body mass index is good under 25, you exercise. Of course, you can eat you can eat these things on occasion, but. I'm talking about most of the people, yep. the 71% that is overweight in America, mm-hmm. they have to cut out all the whites. And uh, that's, that's by far number two. And number three, I would seriously consider cutting out meat, red meat, beef, pork, lamb, veal. Chicken is not meat. Chicken is poultry. That's the white of the chicken is fine. Fish is fine, especially cold water, oily fish like herring, cod, tuna, salmon, uh, anchovies. These yep. things are great because they have omega-3 and other, other uh, things that, that actually help us in terms yeah. of health. But meat, and especially processed meat, I still see commercials today with, I won't tell the companies with their bacon burger. Yeah, You shouldn't look at bacon. You, you shouldn't spell it. You shouldn't pronounce it. Bacon, sausage, ham, all these cured processed meats, even processed fish actually, yeah. are unhealthy. They are a class one carcinogen. They definitely are related to cancer. Like, like cigarettes, alcohol, and asbestos. And number four would be in addition to the meat. Wait, first, do you have to become a vegetarian? Well, think about this. Einstein, Plato, Leonardo da Vinci, Thomas Alva Edison, they were all vegetarians. They were great thinkers. So yeah. that's a, they weren't doctors, <laughs> but they, they knew something we didn't. So people should, I, I haven't eaten meat since I was a teenager, and I, wow. and I won't. I, yeah. I eat fish only. And number four, alcohol. I said there were three, but we used to think red wine is good for us, but alcohol is related to increased incidence of several types of cancer. So whereas we used to think red wine was healthy and a beer or- Yeah, that's, so, that's like the common thing that's, you know, people- Yeah, yeah. It, it's all, alcohol is alcohol and they are all related to an increased incidence of cancer. So once you seriously consider uh, alcohol intake and reducing it to, to the extent possible. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Is there a sort of a quote that's either your favorite one of your favorite quotes that springs to mind or just a, your approach to life? Um, you know, Hippocrates 2400 years ago said something amazing, but this is just one of my favorite quotes, mm-hmm. but uh let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. Ah, think about like think it. about that. We are what we eat. We are definitely what we eat. Every little bit of white sugar and little croissant and bread and pasta and donuts and 
those things all add up. I mean, we don't have to become saints and just, you know, we have to have a cheat day now and again, everybody. <laughs> Definitely. I'll go out and have a, a couple slices of pizza with my friends. Of course, we have to. Yeah. We have to enjoy life, first of all. I have to be, that's really important for health as well, that we have a good balance, safe yeah. well-being. But that being said, uh, the, actually, when it comes to food, and you asked, I didn't get to the book part, so my website <laughs> is one, but I would definitely read a colleague of mine, Dr. William Lee, wrote a great book, just came out in March, Eat to Beat Disease. Okay. Just out in March, a bestseller already. Uh, William is the founder and president of the Angiogenesis Foundation in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I'm uh, a proud member of the scientific advisory board of the, of the Angiogenesis Foundation. And many other prominent doctors are also members of the board. Angiogenesis is the process by which the body's immune system can be hijacked by disease, such as cancer, but other diseases as well, to grow blood vessels so that the cancer can grow and devour us and, eat and kill us. So the Angiogenesis Foundation, William, led by this amazing Dr. William Lee, vice president, his brother, Dr. Vincent Lee, uh, the find the mechanisms and how we can re-engineer this immune system to stop growing these blood vessels that help to kill us by natural means, especially with food so and beverages. I would highly recommend this, this, this book. I actually, as a member of the Angiogenesis Foundation, I went out and bought a couple copies of this book when I was recently attending TED. I'm also a member of, the, of, the, of TED. I was in Vancouver a couple of months ago to attend the, 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 the global TED. Talk. About that. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. That's very cool. Just the, the week after I, I met you, actually, where yeah. I went directly from New York to directly to Vancouver and the books were on sale. I bought a couple of copies to give to my friends <laughs> because everybody in my sphere should be, is reading this and I've recommended it to many people. So I would recommend your listeners, Adam and, and yourself, yeah. uh, I'll get a copy sent to you, actually. So <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not asking, but I'm offering because uh, no, I, I appreciate I like, that. Yeah, it's it's a great read, and it will tell people. You know, we all know about blueberries and about raspberries and red wine and uh, ginger and garlic. What what do these things really do to our health? Eat to beat disease will tell them. And and it's not only that, it's it's about immune immunology, it's about regenerative medicine, it's about angiogenesis, microbiome. It has a lot of things that tick today's boxes of, that we should be looking into. And um I couldn't recommend that higher. Awesome. Obviously, I've moved to this country three years ago and I'm getting used to the differences in obviously the healthcare and and their approach to it. Um and I'm a little wary about the doctors here in in certain ways and, and sort of the the way they seem to, you know. Um, not be more preventative and just sort of throw a lot of drugs at it is my gut. And I'm not, whether it's right or wrong, it's just my impression and, and the sort of the, the differences. What would you suggest to someone listening to this should say to their doctor or when they go to, because I'm just, you know, feeling it out. I haven't been to the doctor a whole load since I've been here. <laughs> but what would <laughs> say you could recommend to say to your doctor, even to just to sort of find out their approach to things or what would be something be useful to ask your doctor in general, as opposed to going for these general generic checkups that, you know, don't show a lot of things. Yes. That's, that's a really amazing question. Adam. I, I would definitely ask your doctor, uh, doctor, is there any way I could have some input 
into the tests that you're going to perform or have requested for me uh, so that I might be able to know a little bit more about my health. Is, there, is it possible that I could have some input or is this something that's, that's cut in stone? Yeah. And, and what, yeah, would you, what, would, what would you recommend that, that, like, asking for that they don't be cool? Because I, I had the checkup and like, I, I got the clean bill of health, but I don't feel like, like, I feel like if there was anything that was there that we don't know about, I just felt like they wouldn't catch it apart from like some really obvious stuff. Cause you know, I'm, I'm a healthy guy. So I, I felt like all the stuff they was telling me, I was kind of like, well, I kind of, I hoped I assumed like, but I still don't, I feel like they could have easily, they could easily miss something is, is my kind of gut, you know, like they wouldn't notice it until yes. it was, you know, there basically, or really there. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's a, a very good question, Adam. Uh, did they do for any heart checkup for you, like an elect electrocardiogram or a stress no, test? No, like I think this? they did mainly blood tests. But again, um, I don't, I don't think they checked for a whole load of stuff. I, it was just the yes. general checkup. Yeah. Well, you know, anyone, any male, any man in North America, or the rest of the world as well, but primarily in America, that has a history of coronary heart disease in the family and a fairly close member, grandfather, aunt, uncle, brother, sibling, whatever, they, and if they're in their mid thirties or beyond, they should request a CT scan of the heart. It's a quick test, no injection required, takes seconds, is affordable, and it's called a coronary artery calcium score. Uh, this is the test that I help to bring uh, to to light in in europe in my my checkup clinic so i didn't mention that in monaco uh beyond working at the princess grace hospital i set up my own network of clinics called monaco life check first one in in in, in monaco then in moscow russia because i had a lot of russians that need this test there's a lot of cardiovascular disease there and then in the north of italy near modena so these clinics all had MRI and CT scanners, and the CT is necessary to scan the heart, the coronary arteries, in a special way, a quick way, very low radiation. People always ask, what about the radiation dose? And they should ask, because it's very important. But today's CT scanners use a very low dose burst of, of radiation to look at the heart, uh, less than a millisievert. Uh, four, we receive four to five millisieverts of radiation just living on per, per year just living in north america so this is less than one millisievert yeah. uh to scan the heart and it will find deposits of calcified plaque fatty deposits of cholesterol within the walls of the coronary arteries and can alert us to the to the risk of heart attack it's yeah. very important michael it's been an absolute pleasure today thank you so much for your time it's, a, it's, a, it's been a great pleasure, Adam, and thank you for having me. It's been an honor, and, and I congratulate you for the questions you asked me. I've, I've done a lot of these, but you asked me some great ones that I hadn't run into before. So thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. Cheers. Get Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless. This episode is sponsored by TEDxCelerator. Do you want to do your TEDx talk? If the answer to that is yes in any way, shape or form, or you've always thought that would be a cool thing to do, 
TEDxCelerator.com is live and open and taking enrollments for the last time this year. All the information is there and I'm offering idea clarity calls. Let me hear your idea. If you've got something to share, amplify your message, enhance your impact and ultimately income as well. So if that's something that interests you, please do go and check it out. So we've got case studies, we've got testimonials. If that tickles your fancy, please do fill in the brief form and you can schedule in a time to speak to me about your idea. And if it is you know, something we can work on together or at least just send you in the right direction, you know what you're going to you know, crack on with and do. So the time to act is now. Head over to tedaccelerator.com and you can go from there. Please do reach out and you can follow it across all the social networks, the TED, the TED Accelerator on Facebook, the TED Accelerator on Instagram. That's T-E-D-X-C-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-O-R.com. I know it's a mouthful. It'd be on the show notes and I will speak to you all next week.